Hello and welcome. This is Reverend Mark Bishop, Interim Pastor here at St. Paul United Church of Christ in Wapakoneta, Ohio, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. We say this because we try to live God's extravagant welcome. You are always welcome to be a part of our family at St. Paul UCC here in Wapak. May God bless us abundantly as we worship together. The usual sermon on this scripture is focuses on Jesus's power, his lordship, his authority, and we'll get back to his authority. But I think sometimes stories like these emphasize how different Jesus must have been from us. We certainly don't think of ourselves as people that can heal or have command over unclean spirits or, or that we have much of any power and authority at all. But I want you to notice this morning that the man who has this unclean spirit what do you, what does he say when he meets Jesus he's what have you to do with us Jesus of Nazareth have you come to destroy us this is not a, a, a normal possession story he's not wildly flinging his hands about and as a person possessed he is lucid he speaks to Jesus clearly so what does it mean that he has an unclean spirit I want to propose that it's a story of a a jaded cynical worldly man the man was unclean in the sense that something about him would never be able to be brought before the holiness of God. Unclean in the sense of, of impure or morally compromised, perhaps. Or even unable to recognize who it was that to whom he was speaking 
He had eyes that could not see and ears that could not hear. But notice that that this man knew exactly who Jesus was. It wasn't that he didn't have the knowledge. He said, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The most important part is that the unclean spirit is afraid that Jesus was there to destroy him. He was afraid. Fear. The definition of fear is something caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous or likely to cause pain or is a threat. We know from many, many years of psychological studies that that fear itself for human beings is perhaps the deepest emotion that there is. It's underneath a lot of the other emotions that we experience as human beings. And so I personally don't believe that when the scripture says, do not be afraid, that the Bible is suggesting naively that we can somehow erase fear out of our lives. It's such a fundamental part of who we are and how we react to things. I believe that it can only be, it can't be erased, it can only be managed well and managed wisely. Fear. I think fear is at the root of our problem right now as a country. Might even be our problem as a church. We don't know what the future holds for us. But this morning I want to focus really on what we're experiencing in our culture, especially in this election year. I think we're going to have to come to grips with fear. That everyone's afraid of the outcome of the election, even though it's months and months away. Everywhere we look in the news, there are predictions of doom and gloom. It doesn't matter which side of the political aisle you're on. The bottom line is clear in many news stories. We are supposedly in a civil war for the future of our country. Now that's scary, isn't it? If that's true, that's scary. And the people on the other side, of course, are the threat. They are about to destroy us. Now that I've raised your anxiety level about talking about politics from the pulpit, what's he going to say next? Maybe we're going to have to fire him. Depends on what he says next. I'm really believing myself 
that we are treating each other so badly, not listening to each other because we're afraid. I've wrestled with this scripture all week for hours, days. I dreamt about it last night. I heard it taught this morning in our Bible class. What is the good news about Jesus healing this unclean spirit this morning? Healing, what I proposed, is a cynical, world-weary man. He knew who Jesus was, so that's not the problem. We often naively think that people don't follow Christ because they don't know the stories or they don't know who he is. But following Jesus is much more complicated than just having information about Jesus and his teachings and preaching. It's about allowing Jesus into our lives, isn't it? And that's a complicated matter. Allowing Jesus, allowing the spirit of the living Christ to be a part of our life together as a church. So what does it mean that Jesus told this man, be silent? Is that a literal story of what happened? Or is this a story that the early church used to to teach people about how we get in touch with the spirit of the living Christ. Brain studies of perception and human emotions have taught us that we human beings aren't very good at knowing exactly what we're feeling. We often mistake one emotion for another. We say, you know, I really think that when we really mean I, I, I really feel strongly about. We can't even tell the difference between when we're thinking and when we're feeling, much less whether we're feeling fearful or angry. Probably the, the easiest one that most people know is that, as particularly us men, we turn every emotion into anger, frustration. You know, we feel like our manliness is questioned and we get angry. Bah, says Fritz. Right? <laughs> That's who we are as human beings. We, we have a very difficult time even knowing and going deep enough to know that what fuels our behavior is fear. And so I want, to ask, I want to ask you to do a, a, an experiment with yourself. You, you all have your different sources of news that you read. And I want you to ask yourself, the next time you get really mad about something that you read, I want you to ask yourself, what am I afraid of? 
What is this talking about that really scares me to the very core of my being? And I think you'll learn something about yourself. I've, I've been doing this myself all week long. You know, what is it that I have to say about this? People don't want to, us to talk about that confusing world out there when they come to church. Have enough of that. Pastor Anthony and I have been talking for a long time about what can we do during this election year as a church to create a safe space for people of all political persuasions to feel safe here. There's an ancient medieval uh, tradition about the church being a sanctuary. In a time before there were law courts, the practice was that the king or, and, and then during the medieval time, the pope or the priest listened to your story and pronounced sentence on the spot. And so the church came to a time when they felt that, that God was teaching them that the cathedral or the church needs to be a safe place where people can run to. And this is where the word sanctuary comes from, where people could run to the church when they were accused of a crime and rush into the church and lock the doors. And the culture learned to respect that time of safety so that the person who was seeking sanctuary could get a good hearing and the facts could come out. And then ultimately there needs to be a judgment of some sort. But I think that model of the church being a sanctuary is something that we need to take on as a, a dream. That this is a safe place above the hurtfulness and the anger and the writing each other off that's going on out there in our society. Politics is dividing families. It's dividing brothers and sisters, biological brothers and sisters, one against the other. It's ugly out there. It's my prayer that this place of sanctuary might be a safe place where we resist the message of the world that says that we're enemies when we believe differently and claims, believes passionately that we are neighbors. We are truly brothers and sisters in God's eyes. That's what this place is for. That's why we come here is to, to have our vision renewed so that we might have eyes that can see a vision of safety and respect one for another. Where we might have a bit of humble knowledge 
What's humble knowledge? It helps a lot when one introduces in one's own mind that maybe I could be just a little less right than the person I'm listening, listening to, or that I might even be wrong. We need to listen to each other that way, where we have an openness to this, this new possibility of reconciliation that Jesus began with his birth, with his baptism, with this healing story that we hear this morning. Be silent and know that I am God. Be silent and listen to one another. Maybe together we can know the truth of a just and loving way forward for everyone. Maybe the kingdom of God can show its signs here among us as we, I don't know, survive this election year. I don't know what, what word to use exactly, but I truly hope that this place will be a safe sanctuary from what I, I'm sure we're all thinking is going to be a pretty ugly year to figure out what the truth is. And so it is my prayer for you, a prayer for me, a prayer for the church universal that we might witness to the world that we truly are brothers and sisters, neighbors, that we respect everyone, and everyone is welcome here. Amen. We pray that you have found blessing and enrichment in joining us for worship today, as we are truly blessed to have you worship with us. Peace and blessings to you, and thank you for joining us today. If you would like to support the ministries of St. Paul United Church of Christ here in Wapakoneta, you can do so in three ways. First, you can mail in your gifts to St. Paul at P.O. Box 147, Wapakoneta, Ohio, 45895. Secondly, you can send your gifts online from our website, stpaulucc.com. Lastly, you can text the amount you would like to give by texting us at 844-971-1800. Come join us again at St. Paul United Church of Christ here in Wapakoneta, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here.